it to the Easy Yoga Podcast with myself, Gemma Nice, Easy Yoga founder, author, yoga coach, and relationship coach. It is my pleasure to have you here and for you to feel energized, calm, happy, and for you to have the perfect relationship with yourself, your partner, and your family without seeing a family therapist, changing your personality, or leaving your job. You will learn techniques and things to help you guide you through a better life through health, meditation, yoga, journaling, nutrition, and all things yoga for you to have the life you deserve and crave and for you to love yourself on a soul level. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And I am so grateful and so full of love to have you here. Enjoy this next episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode from Easy Yoga, All Things Relationships, Wellbeing and Yoga. And today I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Caitlin, Caitlin Billings and she is a clinical social worker uh, in California and it's like five o'clock in the morning over there. So I'm so grateful to her right now. And she knows the struggles of balancing work, mental health and motherhood better than most. While accepting her own bipolar diagnosis, she had to learn how best to support her gender fluid child who inherited depressive behaviours. Now Caitlin is speaking out about the deep set need for perfection throughout society, especially on teens and mental health professionals. Until people actually understand that your best is good enough and you are never alone. And her memoir, In Our Blood, launches in July this year. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That's all right. So yeah, where did your journey start? Oh, goodness. Um, well, <laughs> my 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 uh, journey as a social worker actually began um, back in 2006 when I went to grad school. I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old at the time. So you can imagine, yeah, <laughs> lots of pressure. Um, and then, you know, I had I had struggled with depression kind of in my late teens, early 20s, and things seemed to have really resolved. And I um, kind of went forward with this idea of, of perfection, which is something I talk about. Um, and th this idea that um, now as a mental health practitioner, I needed to have it all together because I needed to be able to be there for my clients. And yeah, I could have some issues, but I really shouldn't have major issues because like, I should know. <laughs> um, and then uh, in 2010, um, unfortunately I was held up at gunpoint. Wow. Yeah. Um, my dog ran out of the house and I chased him and it was dark. And unfortunately I encountered a person um, with a gun and it was very frightening. Um, and that, that really set off a chain of events that um, I, I was given an antidepressant about a year later to manage what turned out to be PTSD symptoms. Although I was like trying to tell myself it wasn't that yeah, because I should be perfect. <laughs> Have it all together for my clients. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so I was given an antidepressant and I had, um, more of a bipolar uh, response and um, decompensated very quickly and ended up um, being hospitalized. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, and I received a kind of a general bipolar diagnosis. They weren't sure what was going on. Um, they knew it wasn't unipolar depression because of my response to the uh, antidepressant. Um, 
And so that began basically a 10 year journey of my kind of personal growth and work as a, as a clinician. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even licensed yet when all of this happened. And so I became licensed. I um, moved into like director roles, administrator roles. I was doing clinical supervision. I still am. Um, all the while with this, what I felt like was such a shameful secret, which is that I, I have bipolar disorder. Yeah. So that was a really long answer. Do you have questions? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer. <laughs> but so when they put you on antidepressants, I suppose then that kind of made you think, well, I need to go down more of a uh, different route, like a holistic route, did you? Or did you just go along with what they were telling you, what you, they were giving you and that was it kind of thing? Um, I really struggled to accept the diagnosis. It took years. Yeah. Um, and I did, I, yes, I wanted to be holistic. I wanted to, you know, continue, like I have kind of a, an off and on yoga practice, and, <laughs> you know, continue my, um, mostly vegan diet and, you know, just yeah. get better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, so I would go off the medication and begin to decompensate again. And so then I would go back on it and then go off it. And it was years of that, um, with many hospitalizations. And so a couple of years ago, I really had to just get into radical acceptance. Yeah. Like, this is what it is. And I can either fight it and make things worse for myself, or I can be in acceptance and then move forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you, I don't know much about it, but is it hereditary? So do your children have it or not? Um, so my, I have two uh, maternal relatives who have okay. symptoms. Right. Um, and then my my eldest child, who um, you referenced, my my gender fluid child, who's an adult now, um, also exhibits uh, depressive symptoms, and right. uh, it's suspected bipolar. You know, being that they were a teenager at the time, it's it's difficult to to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they're actually doing very well right now so good, it's good yeah well that is good I suppose it's for you as well as them or or every group everybody that has this is trying to understand how to deal with it as well like in in social settings or just at school or work or anything like that and and once you can feel it coming on then to know what to do I suppose but is there that boundary or not you just go into one yeah you have like an episode is that what it's called I don't know sorry if that's not right <laughs> no no it's okay yeah yeah typically it's it would be, it would be either a um depressive episode which is mostly what I experience right okay. or a hypomanic or manic episode I I do um have hypomania from time to time but really my issue is bipolar depression yeah um so so I'm I'm that is a work in progress yeah um you know, we get so much 
well, I hear as a, as a mental health practitioner, a lot about like, take care, you know, do self-care. <laughs> what does that even mean? Really? Yeah. Like we, my, my, the clinicians I supervise, we often talk about that because we feel like it's so uh, canned in a way. Um, it's like the buzzword of 2022. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I'm figuring out like, what is that for me? And you know, speaking of mindfulness, like being, being in the present and again, accepting reality as it is. Yeah. And so if I'm starting to have depressive symptoms that are like my little yellow flags or even like a red flag might pop up, yeah. um, I'm really working on telling my therapist, telling my husband, it's difficult though. There's such stigma and I still struggle with shame because, yeah. because yeah. of the stigma. Yeah. yeah. That's really horrible as well. I suppose from a social aspect as well, it's not normal, whatever normal is now. It's not, it doesn't matter, but everybody has this, yeah, stigma about it or any kind of illness like that, especially like being depressed and, or having depression as an illness, it's all frowned upon and it shouldn't be at all. We should embrace everybody that has this and try and help them in some way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a small and growing movement of mental health practitioners who are coming out basically yeah. and saying like, yeah, yeah, I have this too, or I yeah. take medication too, or I yeah. have trauma too. And um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, part of a, of a, the beginning of a movement possibly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, definitely. yeah. Or, or a shift in, yes. in the way that we provide mental health care. Whereas, you know, traditionally it's kind of like the blank screen and you don't, yeah. you have like very rigid boundaries. And yeah. I think it's different times, you know, yeah. this it's right now, I think there's really an emphasis on how are we connecting as humans? Yes. And, and, you know, having gone through the pandemic and all of the distance that was created and, yeah. and, and all of the trauma that has come up and the depression and anxiety. And, and I, I don't want to hear my therapist's woes necessarily. Yeah. And I want to know that, that she gets it. Yeah, 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 definitely. You need to, as a therapist, I suppose, you need to be vulnerable in a certain way for them people to understand you and, yeah, feel like, I, okay, I can talk to you because you've been through this before or are going through it at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So how do you help your clients? Do you have, like, a specific thing or is it that one is different for one, the other, because everybody is different? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Everybody's different. Um, so for that reason, I, um, I, I really identify as a um, trauma practitioner. That's yeah. been the area that I've had the most experience in. Yeah. And now that I've embarked in my, my own private practice, that's been my niche, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and particularly, I'm really honing in on working with older teenagers and younger adults. Um, yeah, I love that age group. I identify so strongly with kind of the developmental work that they're doing at that age. And, you know, be, I think because of the pandemic, like, there's a lot of grief, depression, isolation yeah. um, for that age group. So yeah. 
Um, but anyway, to answer your question, um, so trauma work as an umbrella. And then underneath that umbrella, I utilize um, different techniques. So one of those techniques being EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I don't know okay. if you're familiar with that. No, not at all, actually, no. Okay, I'll do a very, very brief um, uh, thing about it. So um, it was developed as a, as a trauma protocol for people um, primarily with PTSD at the time, um, back in the 80s. And over time, um, it's developed and actually become a widely used evidence-based practice, not only for PTSD, that's like kind of the core, but then it's, it's broadened out. So um, it can help with performance anxiety. It can help with depression that's maybe rooted not so much in big trauma, but maybe in, you know, little traumas that we all experience, yeah. but maybe for that person, you know, that was the, that was the, the moment when they developed the core belief of, um, I'm not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, and so what we do is we, we go back into the past and through, um, the use of bilateral movement, either, um, like moving the eyes back and forth, um, tapping, like, you know, tapping back and forth on the arms. There's a variety of ways. Um, basically the idea and, and the, the work is to, um, reprocess the memories and then desensitize them through going back. Um, and it's, as a creative person, I love it because like you said, no person is the same. Yeah. And so the application of EMDR, it's not, it's not like a strict protocol where you have to do everything in a certain order. Although yeah. they teach you that at the beginning and then they say, actually, it's kind of an art, everybody's different. And so it really allows like a fluidity of movement and in the work. And it's also, it, it's just such a different connection because I'm literally sitting with a person who is re-experiencing their trauma. Yeah. I'm, I'm supporting them to bring in, um, we call it a team of allies. So we develop that prior to doing the work. And then as they're processing, we bring those allies in to support them in the memory, oh, right? Yeah. To, to change what has happened in the past and bring it into the present. So yeah. I could talk for like hours about EMDR. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. Um, I've never heard of it like that. Well, I've never heard yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work for everybody, you know? And so that's the thing. Now we are going to go to a short break. See you the other side. Welcome, dear one, to Paradise. We are Collective Seeking Paradise. It is a feeling, not a place. And we believe that we hold all wisdom for healing. We share our experiences throughout our journeys, as well as gain tools and support to flow through life's highs and lows. We are here on a soul mission to guide each other through the process of finding the path to paradise. Now we have incredible news for you. In spring 2022, we are expanding our services to include our own app called Paradise Movement. And we want to offer you exclusive access. This will include to have our virtual sanctuary as you know it, Paradise Movement. However, with the launch of our new app, there will no longer be a third party platform. We will just be a click away. This is a really easy to use app with lots of healing tools, e-programs and courses and lots and lots of healers which will help you on your path. I am one of these healers. 
So come over to this amazing app. It is incredible. Go to www.paradisemovementmvmnt.com for you to sign up and include yourself in this lifetime access for our full online sanctuary and for you to be healed. Um, so my other, uh, the main treatment that I, I like to use is um, dialectical behavior therapy. Okay. Um, and that was created by Marsha Linehan, um, who incidentally came out after her full body of work um, oh, wow. in, yeah. in the last decade as, um, so the DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, was developed to treat borderline personality disorder. Oh. Although once again, it's broadened and can treat of trauma being one of them, which yeah. is why I use it. Um, she came out and said, basically, I, I developed this protocol because I had the symptoms. Like this is what uh, I needed. Yeah. And, and I've, you know, I have my own mental health journey and, and yeah. it's pretty significant. Um, you know, she was hospitalized at an early age. So those are the two main um, main practices that I use. Yeah, and then I yeah. just call from like, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, if it's needed. Um, I'm really interested right now in internal family systems, which is okay. another trauma treatment. Yeah. It's often referred to as parts work. So it's really starting to work with the different parts of the self okay. and okay. identifying like, who's, who's your protector part? you know, who, what age are they? What do they look like? Yeah. Um, or, you know, who's the, who's the rebel part and, and what, you know, what's the, what's the relationship between those two parts of yourself? Yeah. And then that can be woven into EMDR. So I, I love my work. I feel like it, it has so many creative possibilities yeah. and, um, more specifically, um, I personally really use a lot of the DBT techniques. Yeah. They are helpful for bipolar disorder. There's yeah. actually like a workbook, um, DBT for bipolar disorder. <laughs> um, but, you know, what I was talking about, radical acceptance, yeah. that's so important, I think, for anyone who's struggling with a crisis that they don't want to yeah. be happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, just like working through like, yeah. okay, what would it be like to accept that this is happening? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what would you have to grieve yeah. to be in radical acceptance? Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that you like it. Radical yeah. acceptance is not um, an endorsement of what is happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Positive anyway. It's, it's, it's often a grieving process, but yeah. once you can come into the moment, yeah. you know, and then do the mindful practices that DBT also um, yeah. teaches. Yeah. It can be very effective. I yeah. use it probably every day. Just wow, for that's amazing. Yeah. And do you find things. that people blame themselves for the trauma? So like you with yours, did you blame yourself that the dog got out, that you were held at gunpoint? Uh, in that kind of thing, it's not your fault at all, but do you kind of, and you see your clients like that as well. It is my fault because I, whatever it was. Yeah, I, I, it's yes. And a, a little more complex than that. Yeah. Um, what I see and what I experience too is, okay, this, this trauma um, 
created something that's wrong now. Like there's something wrong yeah. with me because this trauma happened. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then that's where the shame comes in. There's something wrong with me. And maybe there's been something wrong with me my whole life, you know, maybe, you know, sort of looking back and, and reinforcing those negative beliefs that I might have about myself. Yeah. And so a lot of the work is shifting, you know, um, from what's wrong with me to what happened to me. That's good. Yeah. And so yeah. That's where we really start to work through the shame. Yeah. And, and it's true. Some people blame themselves for the actual incident. I see yeah. that often in sexual abuse, actually. Okay, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and then, you know, kind of the bigger traumas that clearly you wouldn't have control over, like, like a tsunami. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, people don't think they brought that on, but they feel a lot of shame if they're not able to cope maybe as well as another person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. So then with that, would you then do or say to, or you do as well, um, like eating well, uh, not eating processed foods and also like meditations or going out in nature is all that part of that as well? Like self-care <laughs> in a funny way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I try to make referrals when necessary. I, I, I don't generally talk about diet too much. Yeah. Um, I will explore kind of what's happening and then I might make a referral to a nutritionist in their insurance, um, system or, um, I've got a couple of clients who, um, are struggling with eating disorders. So again, I'll make the referral, um, because I don't specialize in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, I definitely promote getting out in green space and, you know, when people are coming in for trauma treatment, there's usually depression associated or anxiety or other things, substance really common. And, and folks often are like, they're doing uh, therapy with me from bed because we're doing remote now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The pandemic. And um, it's like, okay, so can you, can you go outside in your pajamas, like out in your backyard and sit in the sun for five minutes? Yeah. All you have, you know, like, can, can we make that a goal? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a massive goal, but to them, that is an amazing goal that they've done that amazing feat to go and do that. Yes, Uh, um, it could be. I mean, I've told people like, okay, get up, put fresh sheets on your bed, make your bed, put on fresh pajamas, and then go back to bed. Yeah. To start like these little tiny goals to start to move people in the direction of like, it's okay to take care of myself. Yeah. Right. It's okay. I, I, I am worth putting on clean pajamas. (laughs) Self-worth. Yeah. 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 Do you find that the more you, or the more that they talk about things as well, because some people don't like actually talking and communicating like as in talking, but they will communicate other ways, like through touch or movement, like dance or something like that. They can then get it out of them. Like, yeah. 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 Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so going back to the EMDR model, I've started using, um, so my office, it's not huge, but it's just big enough that there's space to like, 
do some yoga poses or, you know, kind of move around. Um, And I've really started working with people, meeting them where they're at in that way. And so I've, I have some clients who are very somatically um, grounded, like their trauma is really in their body, not so much in talking. And so um, movement is considered a bilateral practice, right? And so we'll bring up the memory and then, you know, have them move for a minute and then check in, right? What, what do you notice now? Where, what has changed in your body? Yeah. Because the endorphins are moving, the serotonins are moving and your, yeah, adrenaline is going down, hopefully cortisol is going down. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. I'm, I'm experimenting with music. I have a couple of musicians, so you can do, um, bilateral music sounds on like going back and forth one ear to the other. That's good. Um, I have a client who um, doesn't want to talk out loud um, because of the shame. There's so much shame, but this client loves to write and writing in itself, you know, you're writing across the page and you're going back and you're moving your eyes. That's bilateral, right? So, So it's, Yes, I love I love this kind of work because you can meet people in their creative selves, yeah, yeah. you know, or or join them like like in their body. Yeah. And you don't even have to talk about the trauma. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about what's happening for your body. Yeah. So yeah, it's very powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of unlearning things that we have learned as children or we have been taught through society or school or even parents. It's trying to unlearn all of that. And and I think a lot more people are realizing that they don't have to be this certain person that society wants them to be or your parents want you to be. You are you. And I think it's just trying to bring that into your mind as well as into, right, okay, I am different. I'm always going to be different. No person is going to be the same as me. So I can be myself, even though I've been taught to do this or this or this. Uh, Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you must, yeah. Do, Do you deal with like childhood trauma as well that as adults now, but it always goes back to being a child and they've never really expressed their feelings or anything like that. That must be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my clients have um, what we call complex trauma, which is, you know, layers of trauma that usually started in childhood. Right. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. I I get to meet my clients kind of at all ages. Yeah. Because we go back in time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And it's, it's just, yeah, I just can't say enough about how much I love my work and Speaking of writing, how important the writing process of my book was for my own yes. Um, yeah. and, and really go like now that I've been thinking about writing as bilateral movement and, and trauma processing, I did that for 10 years. I started my memoir just as like a series of essays about like being held up at gunpoint and the yeah. first hospitalization because they were, that, those were traumatic events. Yeah. Um, and I joined an online writing group and just happened to fall into this group of wonderful people who were also working on memoirs. And we, we all worked together for years and oh. now several of us are now getting published, wow. which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, um, 
the culmination of being able to process my story, work through it, you know, go through this amazing process of publication um, and, and finally, <laughs> like really facing my shame and being like, okay, like, I know this is going to be helpful to other people. Yeah. And this, this was cathartic for me and I want to share it. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So what, what does it go into how you deal with it or just about your experiences and how you dealt with your experiences? Yeah. So thematically, it's really a memoir about self-acceptance and radical acceptance. Yeah. Like those, those are like the overarching themes. Right. Um, but really, it's it's written kind of in a novel style. Um with a lot of scenes of just sort of the story as it went forward, there are some flashbacks. So I kind of go back in time to childhood and some um, childhood moments that kind of reinforced my own trauma or my own negative sense of self. Yeah. Um, And then, um, I'm sorry, I just blanked. what's the story yeah and then um so because I wrote the the memoir over 10 years is like things were happening like five years in I was like oh it's done like (laughs) (laughs) and I would I I sent it into some agents and then meanwhile I was also working with a developmental editor and my um daughter at the time my daughter is now gender fluid and so doesn't identify it as necessarily female or uh, daughter. Um, But at the time, um, just as I was getting stable, she was beginning to exhibit um, self-harm, eating disorder, just at age 12, which was, yeah. And she, she ended up being hospitalized in a children's psychiatric hospital. And so then I was really grappling with like, is this my fault because genetically I passed this on? Is it my fault because I've been dealing with my own struggles and not being as present as I could have been because depression takes, you know, isolation is all about it. And like, I wasn't present um, all the time. Yeah. So really then we follow her journey. through her adolescence and I tell her story of, of, you know, her toddlerhood and she, um, she is such an incredible person. They, they are so incredible and, um, have overcome so much. That's amazing. And yeah. And then experienced some trauma in in adolescence that, that really was awful for our family. And somehow we've, we've moved through it. And, and I think it's always going to be a scar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, definitely. And yeah. yeah, it brought us closer together. You know, sometimes yeah. traumas in families can tear them apart. And I feel yeah. so lucky to have a partner and yeah. kids that like we weathered it. Yeah. We it. Yeah. And now are they, they better now completely or still going through it? Um, I, I think my, my eldest is really just doing like normal developmental tasks of young adulthood. 
Yeah, they're going to be 20 in June. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, um, you know, they've moved out and they're kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. So that's, that's really good to watch. Um, And then my, my youngest is going to be 17 in June and. Wow. Two yeah, and three, how weird. <laughs> he's my baby. <laughs> and, like, and he's just like big, big kid, big, you know, big man almost. Yeah, and, and yeah. So, um, yeah. and he's, you know, he's has his own struggles um, yeah. around attention and focus and. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and he, um, he's so empathic That's, and so sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep telling him like, these are gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you may, you may find use for this in your, yes. in your professional life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what are two things or two takeaway points from today? What now I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I would say just from our conversation, my two biggest takeaways are, um, it doesn't matter who you are if, and it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is or what happened to you that's created shame. We're all human and we all need connection. And I do think it's very important for um, mental health practitioners to, at their um, comfort level, to be able to come out and say, hey, you know, I." I'm not going to tell you my whole story, but what I can tell you is, you know, I've, I've gone to DBT yeah. Yeah. and I've worked on my trauma. And so I, this is something I really want to share with you. It's been very helpful, you know, to have yeah. that human component. Yeah, definitely. Um, that would be point one. And then um, point two is kind of going back to what we were talking about with EMDR is um, I, I just, the longer I work with people, the more I want to help them tap into their creative process. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is such a big part of healing. Yes. And, and unless you're in a creative field, people don't get a lot of invitation to participate. Right. Or it's like, you know, oh, you're, you're not a famous musician or, oh, you're not a published writer. Um, so it's just a little hobby and you should, you know, don't, don't quit your day job, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) And creativity can be used in so many ways. And, um, I think it's really the heartbeat for so many of us. And I just like, as a therapist and as a person, I, um, I really want people to feel like they can express themselves. Yeah. Definitely. And where can we find you? What's your website or your social media platforms? Sure. Um, I am, my website is uh, caitlinbillings.com. And um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn too. <laughs> and I think just doing a, a search of Caitlin Billings, I can, I can send you my, um, yeah, I've got them. That's fine. Yeah. I'll put them on yeah. the notes below. So in case anybody wants them, that's fine. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really good fun. Really learned so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is, yeah, this is great. And it's, you know, still very early here, but I've got my coffee <laughs> and I'm so ready to much. go for the day. <laughs> 
Oh, so as always, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. So please leave a comment or tag me on social media using at Yogi Gemma. I'm always so grateful to hear your thoughts. And thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with another one, another fun episode for you guys to listen to. And also please leave a review on iTunes or like and subscribe to this podcast because it really means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, and I will see you very soon. Bye.